This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Morning, Summit Church. How we doing? Wow, the, the nine was a little stronger than that. Like we're supposed to be later in the day, a little more alert. Um, so we'll, we'll try again. Uh, how, how are we doing, everybody? There we go. Nice. Okay, perfect. I like I like to hear it. Uh, my name is Corey Johnson, um, and my wife and I are, are here together. Uh, we are planting a church in Austin, Texas, Austin Life Church. Uh, we have four kids. Uh, Michaela, Molly, Macy, and Miles um, that, that give us a run for our money and keep us busy. Um, and then also here is uh, Mike and Joel Mobley. Mike's one of the pastors with us as well. They have two kids, uh, Peyton and Matthew. Um, and God has just, uh, he has, he's called us to this and, and sent us to Austin. Um, and we are uh, just hoping to be some of them uh, that, that say yes to the call that God's given us and to see him do great work. Uh, through, through our church, through the church there. Uh, Summit Church, as you know, is, is, is hoping, dreaming, praying about planting a thousand churches around the world so that, so that people could hear the good news of Jesus, that can see and know and follow him. And uh, that, that's our hope is to be a part of that. So thank you for, for doing that with us. Thank you for being a part. If you're a part of that, this church, then that is uh, something that you're actively engaged with. And so thank you so much uh, for joining us in that, in that mission. Uh, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to go ahead and turn there. Uh, if you don't have one, uh, then the, the verses will be on, on the screen as well. Uh, I- any Black Friday shoppers out there? Um, man, that's a bold move. That's tough. Man, every, every, every year I keep thinking like, okay, maybe this year it won't be as chaotic. And you won't see like the highlights on YouTube or whatever. Uh, but no, they're always there. Um, and so Black Friday just ama- it amazes me too that Black Friday starts on Thursday now. Um, soon it's going to be Wednesday. It's just going to be like Black Week. I don't even know what to call it anymore. Um, but it, Christmas season is, I guess, now officially upon us. Thanksgiving is over, so if you've been waiting to play Christmas music until after Thanksgiving, uh, I guess now is the, the approved time to do so. Um, but yeah, definitely Christmas season is upon us, which also means uh, we, we all have our Christmas wish lists, right? Uh, things that we're, we're hoping for, we're looking for under the tree. Um, and so if you're, if you're married and you're like me, um, I'm increasingly helpless without my, my wife. And so you know, people ask, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. Babe, what do I want for Christmas? Um, like she knows much better than I do what I need or want. Uh, and so, but the reality is we all have a wish list. Like we all are hoping for something for Christmas uh, that we, we presently don't have but we would like to, to get. Um, but it's not just Christmas, right? You know, if you have a December 28th birthday, um, I'm, I'm pretty certain something new would pop up on your, your wish list as a birthday gift. Um, you know, Valentine's rolls around only in fe- February, but yet there's always still something more the, that we could get for Valentine's, right? Um, you know, but it's not, just, it's not just gifts. It's not just that, that wish list. There's, there's deeper desires too. You know, New Year's is going to roll around, and we're going to have New Year resolutions that last for a couple weeks um, that we really want to accomplish for 2018, Right? Um, we all have dreams and hopes and goals and, and desires, and, and really what it does is it speaks to the way that we as people are created, how, how we're wired, and that's that there's a, a craving, an unrest inside of us that, that longs for something more to come into our lives, that, that desires um, for something new, something more that would maybe make us happier or satisfy more or fill us more, and so 
what, what is that that you would hope for? What is that longing, that desire that, that you have? If you could get anything, you could write it down and you're guaranteed, okay, in 2018, I'm going to get this. What, what would that be? Maybe it's a vacation. You see some rest and relaxation. You just need to get away for a bit. Maybe it's a new job, something that, that's more satisfying and fulfilling or increased pay so that perhaps you can do more with your, your resources. Maybe it's a, a restored relationship that for years has just been rocky. Maybe 2017, you can't wait to close the book on 2017 and move on to something else. And 2018 will be a year of success. And, and what, what is it? What is it that you're longing for? It's a natural state. It, it, it pushes us to look for an answer. When something's off, we naturally look for the fix. If you're sick, you look for a remedy. Um, and so th- these longings, these desires, I think they're natural in us, and they push us towards an answer. But what if, what if you grab it? What if you get it, what you're hoping for, what you're longing for, and then, and then it's just not, not everything that you thought it would be? What if, what if your dreams and your desires are, are the greener grass over there and you, you get to that greener grass and then you, you realize ah, it's actually not as green as I thought it was. Like ah, grass over there kind of looks better. And so you, then you reposition yourself over here and uh, it's okay. What, what if it's just not everything you hoped for? Is there something that ultimately satisfies, that truly will will fill the longings and cravings and unrest of our heart and our soul. In Luke 2, we see uh, Luke introduces us to two people. Two people who, who like us, are, are looking for more in life. They're, they're, they're longing for something else to come into their life that they haven't experienced yet. And in a moment, they find it. Everything they were hoping for, they, they get it. They have it. And here's, here's what I believe God wants for us today. I, I believe that God wants to satisfy the longings of our heart. I believe that God truly, right here today, not, not on Christmas, not on New Year's, not, right here today wants to satisfy the longings, the cravings, the unrest of our soul. And so I just want to invite you, will you pray with me? Will you, will you join me in asking God to speak to us? And so just, just in your own words, you and God, just ask him to, to reveal to you what, what the longings and the desires of your heart are. And then to show you where the answer is for that and to give you the courage to follow. And so let's pray together and then we'll, we'll move forward. God, we all have longings of our hearts. Would you speak to us? Would you block out the distractions of everything else right here? God, would you speak to us through your word? Allow us to hear and to see and to know where the answer lies to what we're looking for. Would you give us the courage to follow? In Jesus we pray and we ask. Amen. So let's start in Luke 2.25 and then we'll jump ahead a few verses. Now we see who the two people that Luke introduces us to. So verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's person number one is Simeon. Let's look over to verse 36. We'll see person number two here. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God, to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So Luke introduces us to two people here, Simeon and Anna, godly people seeking the Lord, wanting to do what is right, but, but also looking for more, hoping that, that maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe, maybe something would come in and would, would fill them, satisfy the longings of their hearts. And, and I want to point to a similarity in both of them, and we see that in verse 38 and in verse 25, and it's the word waiting. Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Anna is waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, some of your translations may translate this word, the, the word prosdecomai, um, as, as looking for. And, and I appreciate that translation a little more. Um, the most literal translation is a movement towards receiving. It doesn't, it doesn't sound as good in English. Um, and so we, we translate it as looking for or waiting for. Um, but waiting just kind of sometimes feels passive. Like I'm, just, I'm just waiting for something to, to happen. Maybe, I don't know, maybe wishful dreaming or thinking, right? But they, were, they weren't passive at all. They were incredibly active. They were positioning themselves to receive. They were, they were looking, they were hoping, they were eagerly anticipating that something would come into their lives that presently wasn't there. It, it's, the, it's the difference in, in baseball ready. In, any baseball players, fans of baseball, coaches, anything? Okay, purely basketball towns, I get it, um, wrong, wrong sport. Okay, baseball ready though, right? Like you, you've seen a game, and so let's imagine a shortstop is there, and he's just kind of kicking the dirt around, you know, or looking for a butterfly or something, and you know, like he's waiting for the ball to come to him, but you're thinking, please don't hit the ball to that guy. Like he is not ready for it at all. But baseball ready, right? You're, you're in the game, your hands are out, the glove is ready, you're watching, you're, you're eagerly anticipating the ball to come. Both people are waiting for the ball. One person is more likely to catch it than the other, right? And so that's what happened. They're, they're ready. They're looking. They're eagerly anticipating and hoping for something. Because those things that we want most in life, we don't just passively wait for. We, we look for it. We're anticipating it. We're, we're hoping that it's just around the corner. Maybe this next move is going to bring it because that's truly what, what our heart desires, our mind thinks about. Like it's just consumed us. And that's what they're doing. They're waiting. They're looking. They're hoping. They're eagerly anticipating. Simeon, it says, is waiting for the consolation of Israel. The word consolation comes from the verb to console, to, to comfort, to encourage, to lift up. It's, it's what we use at a funeral where someone's world is just falling apart and they're broken and they're desperate for peace and healing and, and for the sun to shine through the dark clouds and they just want someone to console them and to love them. We don't know how old Simeon is, but we know that he's been waiting for years for this consolation of Israel. In 587 B.C., 
500 plus years before Simeon. Jerusalem um, in Israel, they were, they, it was a free nation, a thriving community. It was, it was the place of vibrant life. But because of their sin, God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come in and totally destroy and decimate Jerusalem. And so we have people like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego who who were Jewish um, boys living in Jerusalem and were taken from their homes into captivity in Babylon during that time. Their worlds just totally flipped upside down and destroyed. Their hope, their dreams, everything just, just ripped away from them. The life as they knew it, gone. But... God God gives them a word of hope and of comfort. In Isaiah chapter 40, to these people who have been um, just rejected and and, and, um, removed from their place of comfort and and vitality, um, God tells them, comfort is coming again. In verse 1 of Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Comfort is coming, God says. It's going to come. The same word, consolation, to console, to comfort. Simeon is still looking for it 500 years later. Waiting, hoping, God, please send something to bring a new day. Have you ever... Have you ever longed for comfort? Just just a season of your life that you were desperate for, for comfort and healing and peace, for the unrest of your soul to be given rest? That's that's Simeon's story. He's he's waiting for comfort. Anna, she she also is following the Lord and, and seeking after him, and she's waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. It says that she got married um, at, a, at a young age, um, probably as a teenager, and then in her early 20s, seven years after marrying her husband, she is burying him in the ground. Can you imagine being, being a 20-year-old and burying your husband? So much ahead of you, so much future, so many hopes and dreams of a, of a family and of grandkids and of life and vibrancy, and then it's all gone. And, and also on top of that, as a widow in this culture, uh, meant that you, you didn't have the same purpose and value in life. She was relegated to the welfare system of the temple. She didn't have control and freedom and how to, how to go about her days. She had to follow the system. She had to do what was told because, because she didn't have the same value that she had prior when she could have a family. And she's longing for redemption. To redeem means to set free, to, to bring a new day. It was often used for slaves. When a, a slave was redeemed, they were moved from a position of slavery to a position of freedom where they could walk forward in a new day. And she's, she's desperate for a new day. Desperate to wake up and to not worry about what's in her past. To not feel the the bondage of life around her. Have you ever longed for redemption? To be set free from some past guilt or shame? For this this thing that seems to control you and just have have victory to long for freedom from it? That's, That's Anna's story. And so we have Simeon and we have Anna and they're, they're waiting, they're looking, they're restless with how things currently are, and they're hopeful for a new day, for something to come in. And then, in a moment, everything changes. Simeon has moved from, from, from looking for consolation to having complete peace. 
Anna, longing for redemption, finds freedom to rejoice in thanksgiving and to tell others around her. So what changed? What brought that change in their life? Because maybe that could be true for us, right? Verse 27. And he came in the spirit, talking about Simeon, came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus... When, when Mary and Joseph brought in Jesus to do according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now that Jesus has come into the scene, now I can depart in peace. For Anna, it says that at the same time where that's happening with Simeon and Jesus, at the same hour in verse 38, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. Simeon is looking for consolation, for comfort, and he gets Jesus, and comfort follows. Anna is looking and longing for redemption, and she gets Jesus, and redemption follows. Jesus changes everything. There's a couple things that I think are worth noting here. When we, as we read this, from what we can tell, nothing about their circumstances changed. Israel is still not a free nation. They haven't risen back to prominence. Simeon is not in this place of vibrant living. They're still under oppression, but yet he's in complete and total peace. Everything has changed for him. Anna is still a widow. She still lives in a culture where they don't value her, and yet everything's changed. She's rejoicing. She has a new life because it's not the circumstances that changed that brought them what they were looking for it's Jesus that brought them what they were looking for so often we think that a change of circumstances a new job or a new relationship or a family or more money in the bank account when when those circumstances change then we'll be good but the problem is it's only going to leave us wanting more it's not going to satisfy only Jesus will bring us the hope, the contentment, the life that we're looking for. Circumstances don't do it. Only Jesus. The other thing that, that fascinates me is that they are incredibly religious people. The description of them is they're devout and godly and seeking the Lord. Anna, her faith makes my faith look JV to her varsity. I mean, she is daily at the temple worshiping in prayer and fasting. My personal rhythm of prayer and fasting is not all that incredible. Certainly not daily. But man, she is seeking the Lord. She, she, she's nailing the church game. So, I mean, she, they've got that down. But yet still, something is missing. Because religion without Jesus is empty. It, it, it doesn't get us anywhere. So often I come into settings like this or I read my Bible and I'm, I'm reading it and I'm looking, I'm thinking, okay, what can I get out of this? Maybe the, maybe the preacher is going to have a word for me today that's really going to encourage me and make me feel great. Or maybe that song that I love so much, they'll play it and just at the right moment the lights will dim and everything will be perfect and I'll, I'll feel great. And we come into these settings looking for what we are going to get out of it instead of looking for Jesus. And Jesus is why we worship. Jesus is why we gather. They had a religion, but they didn't have Jesus, and so they were still looking for more. Jesus changes everything. So why Jesus? Why did this baby have such a powerful effect on their lives? I think the conversion of St. Augustine 
um, really tells us a lot about this. So um, Augustine as a boy and as a, as a teenager was seeking pleasure after pleasure after pleasure after pleasure. He just, he wanted to fill his life with as much pleasure and happiness as he could put in. And so he was pursuing excess and drunkenness and women, but every, every morning he would wake up and feel empty again. Whatever happened the previous day didn't, didn't live up for the next. And he was restless and seeking more. And so he would try this, and that wouldn't work. So he would try that, and that wouldn't work. And he would try that, and that wouldn't work. He was just trying to fill these desires. And one day he, he wrote that he was in a garden, and some, some boys were playing a game nearby. And in this game, they were singing a song that said, pick up and read. And at first he thought, oh, they're just playing a game, whatever. But then as he started thinking about it more, trying to find pleasure, he thought, I don't know, maybe God's telling me to read the Bible. Uh, and so he picks up the Bible and he starts reading in the book of Romans. And he reads how our nature is to sin and how, in fact, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one has lived up to the standard that God expects for them. And the wages of our sin is death, separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he, and he read in Romans 5 how, how God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, that's when Christ died for us. While we were still broken and dirty and hostile towards him, that's when Christ moved near in love to die for us. And that as Jesus rose from the dead, we too by faith can rise to live a new life, a free life. And that for anyone who is in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation, zero, none. And then he gets to Romans 13. And it says, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, everything that he had been seeking, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And he said, he wrote that as he read that, the lights came on. It clicked. He'd been trying to fill his life with everything and none of it was living up. And it's because he's created, you and I were created for one thing and one thing only. And he wrote in his book, The Confessions, you've created us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. We've been created for God. To know him, to love him, to, to live in his presence. And our hearts will always be restless until we find our rest, our satisfaction, our joy in him. That's what Simeon and Anna found. That's what they, they discovered, is that the, the only thing they needed was the presence of God in this Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is the only way that we can stand in the presence of God is to have Jesus in our lives so that he can take our sins on the cross, that he can remove what separates us from God, that by his life and by his resurrection, we can stand in his place. Jesus stands in our place so we can stand in his. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what they got, and that is what changes them. Jesus changes everything. So what are you looking for? What, what's your, what is your heart longing for? Maybe it's comfort, like Simeon, and healing, peace, and rest. And there's no greater comfort than knowing that God has seen us and knows us and, and through and through and yet loves us the same. That Jesus is the demonstration of that love. Maybe it's redemption, a new beginning, a fresh start. 
There's no greater redemption than knowing that Jesus has come to redeem us from our sins, to pay the price in full so that we could be set free. So that 2 Corinthians 5 says, we are a new creation. The old is completely gone. Our sins are separated us from the east, is from the west. And behold, we're a new person. The new has come. Only in Jesus. Maybe it's, it's like Augustine and you're looking for pleasure and trying to fill it with, with stuff and with thing and with person and none of it lives up. There's no greater pleasure than the presence of God. Psalm 1611, in his presence is the fullness of of joy. Nothing is missing. With Jesus is abundant life. Like we, we think life is here, but Jesus say, no, 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 come on. There's so much more to be had with me, in me. The greatest pleasure is with him. Maybe for you, it's a lot like me and it's the approval of, of others. You're desperate to know that people approve you, that they like you, that, they, that you're, not, you're not disappointing them. And there's no greater approval than the words of God spoken over you and me that were spoken over Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In Jesus, the pleasure of God is on us. Not because we've earned it or we've worked our way towards it, but because of Jesus. Maybe it's, it's anxiousness or worry for the future. Just you want, to, you want to be secure in tomorrow or the next day. And Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. I've got tomorrow. I've got it. Jesus is working for our good in all things. What are you looking for? Jesus changes everything. He, he is our answer. Now, now, maybe you're thinking, okay, that's great for Simeon and Anna. Like, have you seen their religious pedigree? Like, they were, yes, I get it. I understand why they saw Jesus. And, you know, and, and maybe you think, this isn't for me. I, I've tried it in, in the past, and it didn't go well. And, um, and you're thinking, no, this, this won't work. And this is what Simeon says. Verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The invitation is for all, all of us, every single one of us. The invitation is for us to come and to taste and to see that he is good, to be satisfied in him. Isaiah, he says, why are you spending your money on things that don't satisfy? Why are you putting an effort for stuff that doesn't fill? Be satisfied in Christ. Taste and see that he is good. And the invitation is for all of us. You may be thinking, and I read this and I'm like, okay, why, why these two? Like why, you know, Anna is among many looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Surely Simeon wasn't the only person following after God. Like what, what was it about these two? And on one hand, it's the sovereignty of God. The Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. And prompted him to go to the temple. It's, this, is, this is God's world. We're just living in it. This is his story. We're just a part of it. We can't manipulate God's hand. He, he's God. We're not. He, he gets to call the shots here. And so on one, one hand, it's the sovereignty of God. But on the other side, I have a hard time thinking that they would have seen Jesus if they wouldn't have been waiting and looking and positioning themselves to receive if they wouldn't have been looking for the day when God would answer and show up. And so I, I think, I don't think the issue is that God's not speaking or that Jesus isn't moving. I think more often than not, it's that we're not looking and we're not listening. 
It's, it's kind of like sailing, right? Like, um, I've never been sailing, but I saw it on TV once. It looks great. Um, you know, but I think there's two primary things required for sailing. One is wind, and two are the sails. If the wind's blowing, but you don't have the sails up, like, that's drifting or floating. That's not sailing. Um, you got to put, put the sails up. And so we, we can't make the wind blow, but we, we sure as heck can set the sails. We can't make the hand of God move, but we, we can sure position ourselves to receive when he does. We can't force the voice of God, but we sure, we sure can position ourselves to read and to hear. I think so often we just aren't looking and we aren't listening. I do a really good job of positioning myself on the couch to watch more Netflix or to catch the game or the next game or the next game. Um, I do a really good job of positioning myself behind the desk to work harder to achieve the next status, to, to get the next pay raise, right? We do a really good job of positioning ourselves um, socially that perhaps we can meet Mr. Wright or, you know, someone down the future. We do a really good job of positioning ourselves in line for Black Friday so we can get the, the best deal. But I think so often we just don't position ourselves to look and to wait, and to listen for God. And I think more often than not, that's why we're not seeing him. That's why we don't hear him. We're, we're drowned out by the noise of everything else. We're, we're consumed with this, this phone that we pull out of our pocket every other second. And so we're not actually looking and positioning ourselves to receive. Are you waiting? Are you looking for Jesus? You know, perhaps you just, you're just not sure. Perhaps this is just, you're really uncertain about, about trusting this God. You maybe tried it in the past and you thought, okay, that didn't go well. Or you know someone who, who's, who's hurt you. Or um, maybe you're just in a season of doubts and questions and uncertainties. And I'm just telling you, that's okay. I mean, read the Psalms. David, one Psalm is like, oh God, I'm so close to you. In the next Psalm, God, where did you go? Are you around anymore? Like David is just a role. He's a mess. This last year, I've probably questioned and doubted my faith more than any of the years before that. So I think it's okay to come in here and have questions and doubts and uh, some uncertainties. But let, let, me, let me give you two reasons to encourage you why we can trust this God, why we can wait even when it's uncertain, even when we're not sure what's going on. The first is back in Isaiah 40. He told them, comfort is coming. Comfort is coming. I imagine after year one when that comfort hadn't come yet, they started wondering, like, okay, God, it's been a year. What's up? Certainly by year 10, man, they were really starting to doubt. God, I don't know. Can we trust you in this? Like, are you, you, are you good for this? Certainly by year 100, year, year 200, year 400, year 500, they're, they're looking at this and they're saying, God, you said it. Where are you? What, are you going to show up? Which is perhaps why he gave them the rest of Isaiah 40, because he knew they'd question Verse 25, he, he says, To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. 
He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Of all the billions of billions of billions of stars, God has a first name for each one of them. And none of them moves without him, his command. He says, take a look around you and just see it. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my right is disregarded by my God. Why, why, why are you questioning? Why, why are you wondering? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord, those who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their, the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait and hold tight to the Lord. Any, anybody seen the sunrise? Any, any morning people out there? I try, I try to be a morning person. It just does not happen. It's not, it's not going to happen. But this last week, we were in Wilmington um, on the beach. The other, the other church plant residents here was Summit. And I thought, okay, I'm on the beach, and there's nothing in front of me. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up and see the sunrise. This is going to happen. And so I set my alarm, like a couple of them, because I frequently just sleep through them. And I, I'm standing there on the deck, and I'm looking out over the ocean, and I'm just waiting for the sunrise. Now, if, if any of you would have come up at that time, like, hey, Corey, what are you doing? I'm, like, I'm waiting on the sunrise. None of you would have said, well, that's dumb. Come on, man, the sun's not coming up. Like, what are you waiting on? No. You, you, you would have waited with me because the sun always rises. Because for every day of our lives thus far, the sun has, has come up every morning. And how much more can we trust the one who causes the sun to rise every morning of our lives? If we can trust the sun to come up, how much more can we trust the one who has named the sun and placed it exactly where it goes, who has named our earth and orbits it exactly how he wants and has caused the sun to come up every morning of our lives? If we can trust that sunrise, we can trust the one who makes the sun to rise. He's good for it. And the second reason we can trust this God is because of Christmas. Every year we, we, we celebrate Christmas, right? The birth of Jesus. That Isaiah 40, comfort is coming, and then comfort came. God is true to his word. Jesus showed up. He, he left what was, willing, what was rightfully his, and he stepped into our world to serve us. To, to take our sins upon himself so that, so that we could be free. To rise from the dead so that we could live forever with God. God showed up, and he did what he said he would do, and he's going to come again. The world we live in will be put back. He will right the wrongs. Every Christmas, we have a reminder that Jesus came, that God is true to his word, and that we can trust him. And so even when it doesn't make sense, even when we're waiting and we're looking, and then God sends a baby even when we're waiting and hoping and then our hope is hanging on a cross, even when things don't make sense to us, we know that God is good for it and we can trust him. What, what are you looking for? What are the longings in your heart? 
God's using that to point you to the answer, Jesus. Because Jesus changes everything. He gives us new life, and then he changes everything behind. Look to Jesus. Set your eyes and your hope and your focus on him. He's good for it. I want to invite you to pray with me. Just take a second. Just, you know, just talk with God. Just you, you and, and him and tell him what you're thinking and your questions and your doubts and your fears and tell him what you're hopeful for and what you desire and, and just listen to his response to you, to what he's speaking and calling you to. Maybe today he's calling you to trust him for the first time. You've been trusting in something else. You've been looking for answers somewhere else. And he's saying, don't run anymore. Don't chase anymore. I'm right here. He's just calling you to trust him. Maybe he's, he's, he's pulling you back home. Perhaps he wants to comfort you to heal, to restore. Or to shift your focus on Jesus away from something that won't satisfy. Whatever he's saying, I invite you to respond in faith to him. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.